You're listening to Politics Weekly. To uh, be big underdogs uh, in the race uh, for the uh, the presidency. One of them is uh, joining me today. We can survive all those systems. What's going to happen if you legalize it completely? Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Politics Weekly. Unfortunately, this week, the first half of our episode uh, has been lost. This is due to a technical difficulty uh, from the Anchor app in which we use to record uh, our podcasts. Unfortunately, because of that, uh, the first half of uh, the interview I did with presidential candidate Mark Whitney uh, has been lost. But there is uh, still a good 35 to 40 minutes uh, of recording of that uh, episode uh, remaining. Uh, so without further ado, listen to the rest of the show. Thanks. Bye. Their brand on making things very convenient for people. But the coronavirus has exposed that within Amazon's business was this other thing that's very valuable right now, which which is facilitates people keeping their distance. That was not a selling point before the virus for Amazon, but it's a selling point now. Uh, so that's what I mean. Things change. Uh, uh, certain opportunities die, and they'll be replaced with new opportunities. And it's best not to follow this day-to-day and wait for some magic pill to solve your problems. It's better to assume uh, we're going to be in this for one or two years and to start right now, like tomorrow, uh, to start right this minute thinking about how you're going to provide for yourself if you're somebody in that situation. Um, okay, um, now President Trump uh, has said he'd like to get the country open by May 1st, or at least part of the country open by May 1st. Uh, right. Governors are saying, and, and he said he has total authority to do that. Uh, right, governors right, have yeah. said... Governors of states have said, no, he doesn't. We have uh, the right to do that. Um, if we if we want to have stay-at-home orders, we have the authority to do that. Um, right. uh, who, who do you uh, believe is in the right on this? Well, I believe I am. So what I said at the beginning, and I said this anticipating your question, at the beginning I said the first thing I would say if I was the president or one of the 50 governors, if I was one of our nation's 51 chief executives, I would say, I don't have the authority to close you down. But what we have is a situation now where chief executives are fighting over who has the authority to close and who has the authority to reopen. Here's the problem. The people believe that these executives possess that authority. We know that because we've seen very little civil unrest. And we've seen near absolute compliance. The people are not protesting. There were a couple hundred people in Michigan yesterday protesting. By and large, people are, are, are going along with these orders, and they're looking to the government for further orders. Uh, so, so here's the problem for us people, right? The closing down, the order to close was a decree. 
It was just a decree, and everybody complied with that. The uh, uh, returning to life as we know it, or knew it, is going to be a negotiation. There will be terms and conditions. There will be strings attached. Uh, and that's why, at the outset, I likened it uh, to a prison situation where uh, we are going to, I, I believe, with I believe with the support of 99% of the people that the United States is going to go from being a country of 300 million citizens to a country of 300 million subjects on supervised release that we're, that, that we're going to, uh, by and large, agree with whatever terms and conditions the government attaches to our freedom. Uh, we'll, we'll argue about, uh, we'll argue about slight differences. Uh, you know, Democrats will say we need to be six feet apart. Republicans will say we need to be five feet apart. That'll be the debate. Uh, but the people will not be, uh, the people are going to go along because the people are, the, 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 the people, the, the top 10 percent of this country economically, the people in the top 10 percent, People who have, you know, a net worth of a million dollars or more, that's the society they want. That is the political infrastructure they have upheld and advocated since 9-11, Democrats and Republicans. Uh, and, and that is the society I believe we're going to have. All right. Um, uh, and one more question before we move on to the news. What are your thoughts on uh, the idea of mail-in ballots for the upcoming election? Oh, I am in favor of anything that makes it easier to vote. So I believe that uh, that we should all ready be voting using our cell phones. Uh, that would be very easy to do. We do our banking with cell phones, right? People, people have millions of dollars in the bank, some people, and they use their cell phone apps to manage that. Uh, so, so I believe that. So we have 27 amendments to our Constitution right now. I am somebody happens to believe we need a 28th amendment that says the right to vote shall not be infringed. And uh, along with that, we need to have amendments that provide for a digital Constitution, so that our rights are secure in this digital age. Um, and and all of the ballot access laws uh, having a a day set aside, uh, having a you know, voting on Tuesday, which is the day that people work, uh, having uh, ballot access laws, having gerrymandering, having all the hurdles that are in place to make it more difficult for people to vote, all of those rules and regulations exist because incumbent Democrats or Republicans, it makes it easier for them to get reelected if it's difficult to vote. Uh, so they, as, as politicians seeking to be reelected, uh, federal and state politicians, Democrats and Republicans, they look at this pandemic and they know that this virus uh, drastically increases the chance of their re-election, which is 95% without a virus. So it goes up to about 99.5% with a virus because the virus is going to suppress voting. Uh, so in, in a lot of states, you're going to see, you've already seen it from the president. You've already seen Trump object about mail-in ballots. Uh, because he knows that the harder it is for people to vote, the more likely it is he gets reelected. All right, so let's move on into the news. And this first story I think uh, you'll be interested in. Uh, so Justin Amash uh, says he will make a decision soon about 
uh, about when he about whether he will be running for president or not on the libertarian line. The uh, the Republican turned independent congressman from Michigan uh, uh, said because. Uh, of Trump's uh, statement that he had total authority over the situation, he was considering uh, launching an, uh, a libertarian uh, run for the presidency. He told a, uh, a woman on Twitter uh, that he was going to make his decision soon on whether he would run. Uh, Mark, what, is your th- what are your thoughts on uh, Justin Amash pot- potentially running for president? Um, obviously he would be your opponent in the primary. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I have, I have thoughts, but I also have some inside, uh, information on this. I can make some news here today. Uh, because, uh, uh, so, so first of all, my thoughts on Justin Amash is he's a, he's a Republican. He's been reelected five times as a Republican. Uh, the Republican National Committee and Democratic National Committee are evil. They need to be destroyed. They've ruined our country. Uh, the Bill of Rights is something I say, I like to say about the Bill of Rights, the bones are good, but the Democrats and Republicans have put some very tough, meaty, dewy meat on those bones and made it unrecognizable. And Justin Amash is part of that problem. Uh, Justin Amash is, is a Republican. He's a professional politician. He's never held a job in the private sector. And the Libertarian Party, uh, when it comes to nominating presidents for the last, uh, election cycles, the last 12 years, the Libertarian Party suffers from Stockholm Syndrome in nominating these certified pre-owned Republicans who pretend to be Libertarian so they can come along and steal the $10 million that comes in and distribute it among their family and friends who happen to be consultants. I call it money laundering. And uh, so uh, Justin Amash, uh, in my opinion, has no place in this race. So I can also give you some, uh, some personal insight into this. Uh, about six weeks ago, my campaign manager called me, or he texted me, and uh, I was at a state convention doing a debate. He texted me, and he said, it was a Tuesday, he texted me, and he said, I think Amash uh, is going to get in this week. This was six weeks ago. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, I said, well, that'll be, uh, that'll be bad for him. And he said to me, well, I know you want to get a piece of Amash, but he said, I think that'll be a bad look for you. So that's an indication of the culture of the party where we're not meant to stand up for our principles when, when a Republican with more money comes along. I called my campaign manager. I said, how do you know that Justin Amash is thinking of getting in? And he said, because they're trying to recruit me to run his campaign. And I, and I said, well, are you going to go to work for Justin Amash? And he said, I don't know. And I said, well, you're fired. And, uh, and, and that, that pretty much cost me all the delegates in the state of California because my campaign manager is very popular in California throughout the party. Uh, but I stood by my principles. There are more important things than winning this nomination. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term Stockholm Syndrome. But Stockholm Syndrome uh, is a term that refers to prisoners who have, who have a uh, dysfunctional codependent relationship with their captors, with their guards and the warden. And the, the Libertarian Party suffers from Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, whenever a certified pre-owned Republican comes along and calls themselves a libertarian. I mean, think about this. Justin Amash uh, was chairman of the Freedom Caucus. The Freedom Caucus is made up of a bunch of freaks uh, who bow and genuflect at the altar of Donald Trump. They're dominionists. They believe there ought to be one world religion. 
They looked at the world the way Reverend Pence looks at it. Justin Amash is chairman of that caucus. Justin Amash doesn't believe the 14th Amendment applies to women, right? He thinks he doesn't. He the, the 14th Amendment does not confer jurisdiction on the fetus. It confers jurisdiction only on persons who are born. So libertarians like to talk about birthright and how important birthrights are and how important natural rights are, and I agree with that. But you have to be born to have a birthright. Women have sole authority over what happens to a fetus. Uh, Justin Amash has no business shoving his Liberty Caucus into the vaginas of America's women. So that's my opinion on Justin Amash. I'm not a fan. I think he's a fake and a fraud, and he's just one more generic uh, politician. And uh, uh, if he does get into this race, uh, I will spend whatever amount of money it takes to defeat him. Um, all right. Well, let me ask you this before we move on to the next news story. Um, if... Justin Amash gets in, and you fight hard against Amash, you attack Amash, you, you fight hard against him in the primary, but ultimately, it's a close race, but Amash wins the nomination. Will you endorse him in the general election, or will you endorse any other libertarian that wins if they happen to beat you in the primary? Uh, not, not, I, w- I would endorse any other libertarian. Not only, but as as for Justin Amash, not only would I not endorse him, I would continue to attack him. In fact, if Justin Amash was the nominee, I might continue to run all the way to November third as an independent, just so I have a platform to attack him. Mm. All right. Well, let's. Move. And I have, the, I have the money to do it. All right. Well, let's move on to the next news story. So, former U.S. President. Uh, Barack Obama has finally announced his endorsement uh, of presumptive Democratic nominee, former U.S. Vice President uh, Joe Biden. Uh, Biden uh, or Obama said uh, in a statement that Republicans were not fighting for progress. Democrats were. Uh, he attacked uh, Republicans' efforts uh, to uh, repeal Obamacare last uh, back in 2017. Um, and said that Joe Biden was the best candidate uh, to lead America out of a crisis. Um, uh, Last year, uh, Joe Biden was asked as to why Barack Obama had not endorsed him at the time. Uh, Biden said that he wanted uh, every candidate to run on their own merits, and for that reason, he did not want the endorsement uh, of Joe Biden. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Mark, on, uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, Barack Obama endorsing Joe Biden for the presidency? Uh, well, I think that, uh, Barack Obama orchestrated the whole thing. He orchestrated, uh, he, I mean, these Democrats, they are some kind of gangsters, aren't they? You know, they, they run these other candidates. you got candidates like Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren and, and Andrew Yang and, and all these other candidates, right? They go out there, they put themselves on the line for two years, they run in good faith, they go along with the game that, you know, it's all about raising money. The fact that these presidential contests take two years, every time you watch a Democratic primary on CNN, the Democratic National Committee is getting 15% of the advertising. So they use these, uh, they use these candidates as if they're tributes in the Hunger Games. And and, uh, and they end up raising hundreds of millions of dollars not to get on the ballot. And then at the end, uh, they just uh, they just round everybody up 
and say it has to be Biden because if we don't do this, the corporate Democratic Party as we know it is going to get relabeled the Socialist Democratic Party and Bernie Sanders will be the nominee. So the Democratic Party has been owned by Wall Street and the war machine for a long time. Uh, they don't give a damn about you. All you are to the Democratic Party is a taxpayer. All you are to the Republican Party is a taxpayer. Joe Biden clearly has dementia. In one debate, his teeth came loose. In another interview on CNN, his eye exploded and blood was dripping. Uh, another time he came out and said he's going to put 720 million women back to work. Uh, so Barack Obama, uh, we only have 120 million women. So where's he going to get 600 million, million women? So Barack Obama knows that Joe Biden is not going to be the nominee. But as long as they have a placeholder, who is, uh, Joe Biden is a senator from Delaware. That's where all the banks are incorporated. Uh, he is the banker's uh, senator uh, for 40 years or whatever he was a senator. Uh, he is an architect of the new Jim Crow, the uh, zero-tolerance mandatory minimum sentencing system that created mass incarceration. And uh, and he is, and he is by that definition, a great Democrat. So he's a placeholder that prevents uh, the Democratic Party from being relabeled the Socialist Democratic Party. And that's all he is. Everybody knows he's going to lose. Everybody knows Donald Trump is going to win in the landslide, and that's how it's going to go. So, uh, um, so you believe that Joe Biden will not be the Democratic nominee? No, he'll be the he'll be the nominee. But, but Trump will win in a landslide the general election. Biden will be the Democratic nominee. Uh, they've, they've rigged the game to make sure that happened because mm. Obama put the call in to everybody else and said, you have to get out now and endorse Biden. And that's what everybody did. And, uh, you know, if I was Elizabeth Warren and I've been out there running for two years, I, I wouldn't have gotten out. If I was Pete Buttigieg, I wouldn't have gotten out. But that's what makes me a bad politician. Right. That makes me a bad politician. So I'm libertarian. Uh, I'm even a bad politician in libertarian circles. I do not. I do not bend on my principles. Right. Uh, I think Justin Amash is poison for the Libertarian Party. I'll never bend on that. I'll never endorse somebody like that. Uh, I don't think he has any place being the presidential nominee. So if it hurts me politically to say that, that's fine. That's no problem. You know. Mm. Um, and you do believe that Donald Trump is going to win re-election by a landslide? In a landslide. In a landslide. Why? Why? Donald why? Trump. Donald. This is this is what makes somebody like Justin Amash such a bad idea. In in 2016, without ever having been elected to anything, Donald Trump uh, vanquished and destroyed 18 Republicans who had far more stature. Than Justin Amash. If Justin Amash had run a Republican as a Justin Amash has way less stature than Jeb Bush, way less stature than Marco Rubio. So why in a million years would the Libertarian Party nominate somebody boring like Justin Amash? Why? They're not trying to win. They're not trying to win when they do that. They're setting themselves up for a loss. But the the comfort level of the Libertarian Party right now is there's a loser mentality. So they see they see winning as getting 5% of the vote. That's their definition of winning. And that's why they don't have anybody in the federal legislature. No, Cong- no, no one in the House, no one in the Senate, no governorships, because they define winning as 5%. 
That's a loser mentality. And and nominating a boring uh, committee candidate like Justin Amash is suicide. I've been on my team for 15 years doing stand-up comedy. I've been on the cover of Story Magazine with Russell Brand and Drew Carey. Uh, I do political satire. I've won awards all over North America for my one-person theater shows. So there's no stage too big that I can't stay with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is an open mic comic, and he's the guy who farts in church. That's why he gets laughed. But, you know, if you put somebody on stage who's been on his feet running his mouth in all sorts of different venues his entire life like I have against Donald Trump, well, then you got yourself in competition. Uh, Anybody else who's nominated this year to represent the Libertarian Party is going to be a non-event. The media is going to look at the person and say that person is not a threat, and they're going to move on in about 30 minutes. And it'll be the worst year ever for the Libertarian Party. Um, Do you believe you can come in first if you are the Libertarian nominee? I believe that I can get on the debate stage. I believe I can get on late-night TV and do five minutes of killer stand-up with Dave Chappelle, and then I'll get on all the late-night shows. I believe I could get invited to host Saturday Night Live. I know all the people in these writing rooms because of my connections in Hollywood, and if I don't know them, I know somebody who knows them. And uh, so I believe that I could get people very excited about advocating uh, the idea of having uh, a libertarian on the debate stage polls positive at about 85%. Even people who would never vote libertarian want that because of the fact that uh, they believe competition is good and they believe that a third person up there is going to make their candidate better. And they want even their, they want their candidates to justify their existence on that stage. So if that were to happen, using Jesse Ventura as the model, Jesse Ventura was polling at 10% in Minnesota. He made it onto the debate stage in Minnesota, and he beat the Democrat and Republican and became the governor of Minnesota. He had no political experience, but what he had was he was someone who was very confident on his feet. He knew what he was talking about, and he got up there and he used his charisma and his humor and and his power, his personal power, uh, to win that election. Uh, So I believe there's a non-zero chance using uh, Jesse Ventura as the president, uh, that I could actually win the election. And I believe I'm the only libertarian that has a non-zero chance of winning. I believe the chances of any other libertarian winning is zero. All right. Well, with that being said, let's move on to the next story. So Barack Obama not being the only Democrat to endorse Joe Biden, uh, but another candidate in the race, uh, Elizabeth Warren, has also announced uh, that she will uh, that she will endorse Joe Biden's campaign for the presidency now that he is the presumptive Democratic nominee. Uh, Warren also said that she would be open uh, to run as Biden's running mate if given the chance or if asked. What are your thoughts on Elizabeth Warren endorsing Joe Biden? Uh, I understand why she's doing that. Uh, she looks at Joe Biden and sees a guy who could drop dead tomorrow. And she goes, that's, that's the kind of president you want to be a vice president for, is a president who is on death's door. And that's Joe Biden. Uh, Biden is not going to pick Warren. Uh, I think he'll pick a black woman. I think he'll pick uh, Stacey, what's her name, who ran for governor down Stacey in Georgia, Abrams. Stacey Abrams, or, or uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, his best pick would be Kamala Harris because she's a former prosecutor, and the Democratic Party very much believes in mass incarceration and authoritarianism. 
So if uh, and 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 Kamala Harris is younger, uh, and uh, she is so and so she would be the perfect pick for Joe Biden uh, because that would present an authoritarian ticket, and it would make people feel good that there was somebody with brown. That there was a, they would get all excited. They would say, "Oh, isn't this wonderful?" That it's the first African American woman woman to be picked as vice president, and they would ignore all of her authoritarian tendencies, which they cheer. Mm. All right. So uh, I think he'll pick Kamala Harris. I think it's obvious that she is the pick. That's what I think. All right. Well, let's move on to the next story. So President Trump has announced that he will defund that America will defund the World Health Organization. Uh, Trump uh, criticized the World Health Organization's response to the COVID-19 outbreak um, and said uh, that the World Health uh, Organization was uh, uh, was, quote, uh, he said that the World Health Association's um, inclination to oppose uh, travel restrictions from China to the United States was out of, in his words, quote, political correctness. What are your thoughts on President Trump defunding the World Health Organization? Uh, he's not going to do it. He says he's going to do things all the time, and then he never does them. Uh, he's very transactional uh, in the moment in these press conferences. So, so when, when Trump is in front of an audience, uh, what, what makes him actually a great politician uh, and, and a better politician than I will ever be is that uh, Trump tells the audience that he's in front of exactly what they want to hear. And, uh, and in the same day, he will contradict himself depending on the audience. So if he has a group of Harley teachers uh, uh, down at the White House, you know, he'll tell them <clears throat> what he knows they want to hear. Um, <clears throat> right now he's running for re-election. So whenever he, he says something about, you know, defunding uh, some global organization or, 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 uh, or getting out of some treaty that Barack Obama has something to do with, his, his people cheer. Uh, but he's not gonna he's not gonna defund the World Health Organization. That's just that's just him saying something and then he doesn't he never follows up on these things. Um, all right. Uh well let's move on then. So uh Christina Cuomo, the uh wife of CNN anchor Chris Cuomo, has tested positive for COVID nineteen. Previously, Chris Cuomo uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Um, however, he did recover. Now it is reported that his wife has tested positive. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I wasn't aware that his wife tested positive. Uh, I don't wish this virus on anybody. I mean, I, I said at the beginning of this interview, uh, I am very persuaded uh, by doctors and nurses who are afraid to go to work. Um, and uh, uh, so obviously uh, that, that's a horrible thing. And nobody wishes that on anybody. Uh, you know, I'm somebody, I, I'm in really good health uh, and always have been my whole life with the exception of the fact that uh, when I get a cold, if I get a really bad cold, it often will develop into sort of a low-level pneumonia and then it'll, it'll sort of be this low-level asthma-type condition that, that goes on for a couple months after that. Uh, so I've really been hunkered down. Uh, and uh, uh, has nothing to do with the government. It just happens to do with, I know that I, that when I get something that, that has to do with respiratory uh, issues, I had, I had pneumonia when I was 
when I was born, like when I was like 10 weeks old, I had pneumonia and I almost died. I don't know if that makes me more susceptible to getting pneumonia, but I've had pneumonia. I've had really bad pneumonia three or four times in my life. Uh, so, you know, I, it's, it's a thing, man. I'm, Chris Como is, uh, Chris Como has been really great. I think he's been a great messenger, um, for, uh, explaining, you know, he's a good storyteller. He's been a good messenger for explaining to people what it's like to have this virus. There have also been a couple of stories. I, I know, I, I'm sure you probably saw them because obviously you follow the news and you're doing a great job in this interview. Thank you. Not just for somebody 20, but for somebody 40. Thank so you. So good for you. Um, just, just keep banging. Uh, just keep doing it and uh, uh, you'll be able to make a living doing this someday. But the uh, 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 yesterday, uh, the last couple of days, there were two stories about Chris Como. One was uh, he went on serious radio and he did an interview uh, saying that, you know, he really doesn't like his job at CNN. He doesn't like having to pretend and pose and say things he doesn't believe. He doesn't like to uh, be, be trying to find the middle ground between Democrats and Republicans and kind of, you know, his, his brand is sort of that he's the peacemaker, that he sees both sides. And he, he, he said in serious in a serious interview, serious radio, that, that he really hates it. He doesn't need to get paid millions of dollars. He saved his money, and he's really sick of the job. And then later that day, the next day, he did, he did another interview saying, I never said that. I said I didn't mean it. And, you know, I've, I've, read, I've read stories that say the coronavirus causes brain damage and neurological problems. And, you know, you just read those two interviews with Chris Como, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, it looks like maybe it does cause neurological problems, you know? <laughs> All right. I don't know, how you, I don't know how you explain it otherwise. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's, he's a guy who's he's super healthy, he's super super physically fit. He works out all the time, and, and, and he's out there contradicting himself like Joe Biden is if he's like 78. It's weird. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on. So uh, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, has announced that he will extend the social distancing guidelines to May 15th. Um, uh, meanwhile, President Trump has also announced that he is pulling, or he has also announced that he will work with the governors on a plan to, uh, to reopen the government. Uh, this is in contradiction to what he said previously uh, about right. him having total authority. Like I said about Trump, right? He, he changes, you know, within the same day. So what are your thoughts on uh, Andrew Cuomo potentially thinking of opening May 15th? Uh, well, the other the other big state is California. Uh, uh, so I'll just give you this anecdote from California because I think uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, and Andrew Cuomo have been the two governors driving all the headlines. So here in California right now, this is normal life. The 7-Elevens are open and the beaches are closed. I don't know how you maintain six feet of proximity at a 7-Eleven, but you sure can do it at the beach. Uh, so in the face of that, uh, Governor Newsom is polling at 83% uh, approval. Um, and that's what I'm talking about. The people, the people, the people like what's going on right now. There's no sign uh, that the people are angry with the government. If anything, they want more government. And they're just waiting for the terms and conditions of their release. Uh, and, uh, 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 so, you know, it's an ironic situation, too, because uh, uh, if I had to go to work at a place like Qualcomm, 
at my age with my uh, history of pneumonia and having a little bit of asthma after I get a cold. And Qualcomm called me back to work in my cube. I don't think I would go because I know that based on the science and the, the news I've been reading, I know Qualcomm can't. I know Qualcomm can't protect me. And my point kind of is, you know, you know, libertarians will always talk about: Do we need the government to protect us? Uh, so there's the so the, and and one of the things I've been trying to do as the Libertarian Party presidential candidate is separate the philosophical from the political. You know, I've, I'm I'm in this race to try to improve things, to try to end the war on drugs, the war on terror, the war on trade, which the people agree with libertarians is 75%. Uh, I don't think this is the time, if you're a libertarian, I don't think this is the time to be out there licking doorknobs to prove a point and pretend that you have all the answers, because because nobody has all the answers here. There, there, For every answer, there are a thousand questions, and that's the reality we're living in right now. And uh, uh, so I try to be realistic about that. All right. Um, and with that being said, why don't we move on? Uh, so uh, President yeah. Trump, uh, it, uh, recently it was announced that the uh, that this is garnering controversy that uh, the checks, uh, the $12,000 checks that have been mailed out to Americans could be delayed to add President Trump's name to them. Um, many people are bashing President Trump for this. President Trump himself is denying that he wanted to do that. He said it was a mistake involving the Treasury. He said he never <laughs> ordered that that happened. What are your thoughts? Well, you know what? The guy is a genius, right? He got himself elected president. He beat all these establishment people. One of the reasons he did it is because he's great at marketing. Uh, I followed his campaign so closely. Uh, because he and I have a lot in common in terms of the different types of places that we've been on our feet running our mouth all these years. Um, you know, we have in common being entrepreneurs and being entertainers. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump was the first guy to run for president. Every time he, in 2016, when he ran for that, to get elected in 2016, every time he did a rally on the front of his podium, he was the first one to do this, and anybody could have done it, but he was the first one. On the front of his podium, they had a number where you could text from your cell phone. And and over the last three years, they have taken that, and they've built the most massive digital database. They've built, they've built such a big machine. Uh, you know, just just Trump saying that he wants his name signed on a lot of checks, on the checks that go out, uh, for everybody that's disgusted by that, there's somebody else that just smiles and goes, you know, this, Donald Trump getting elected president is the biggest flim flam that any single human being has ever pulled off. And and for that reason alone, you got a bow and genuflect to the guy. It was great. It was, a, it was an amazing thing. He, I'm not going to say it's great. It was an amazing stunt that he pulled off getting elected president. And and there's a reason he's president. He's the best to ever do it. Um, and uh, And I've learned running for president how difficult it is. Uh, so I don't want to see the guy reelected. I don't want to see a Democrat elected. I want a libertarian president. That's why I'm running. Uh, but when it comes to just, you know, drawing people into the story and getting people to react and getting press, there's no, never been anybody better. All right. Well, with that being said, I think that about wraps up everything we have on our agenda for this week. Mark Whitney, thank you again for joining me, sir. 
give you one tip. I don't know if you call the journalist Glenn Greenwald, but he's won just about every prize you can get for journalism. And he's got some opinions about whether or not you should be you should be nonpartisan or whether or not you should have an opinion. So if you're not a student of Glenn Greenwald, uh, check out some of his work. He's doing great work. All right. Before you go, do you want to tell people where you can be found on social media and where people can donate to you or learn more about your campaign? Uh, yeah. Uh, MarkWhitney.com is the website. Don't send me money. I'm doing fine on money. If you listen to this and you want to send this guy money, give that money to somebody who needs it. Uh, politics, as we know, has been suspended. So it's very inexpensive to run for president right now. But MarkWhitney.com is the domain. And most of the drama of the libertarian presidential race, if you're interested, uh, plays out on Facebook. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay, man. Thanks. From the creator of Politics Weekly comes a new entertainment podcast examining the biggest new movies available to watch from the comfort of your own home. Home Video Review. New episodes of Home Video Review every Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.